hello. Hope you all have been well. Um, welcome to our second episode of, um, of this series from Elite 10. We hope you are enjoying the content and, um, and hope you find all of this valuable um, to implement in your own lives. Today, um, we will talk about good debt versus bad debt. But before we get into, into the nuts and bold, bolts of this episode, I will just have to walk you through the disclaimer. Um, now I'm going to share a screen. So again, uh, firstly, I'll recap budgeting and planning from episode one. And then we'll go into details about what, what is debt and how do you differentiate whether a debt is a good debt or a bad debt. And then lastly, look at how to um, implement a debt strategies to be debt free. The disclaimer is, I'll read this out to you for people who are listening on different mediums, specifically on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts and many um, or any podcast medium that you use. Um, this, this video will also be available on YouTube. And as you know, you can find it easy on Facebook. The disclaimer is this video and podcast should not be copied, distributed, published or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this video and podcast does not constitute advice or recommendation from any elite members to the listener or viewer. You are encouraged to do your own research and seek advice where appropriate. Elite and the speakers are not providing financial, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast or video. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener or viewer is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Elite or the speakers to that listener. Please note that these, the information and the content that I provide to you and that we provide to you and may not meet your personal circumstances. So please seek advice or do your own research um, where appropriate. As always, I always like to begin any episode with revisiting the mission, the purpose, why am I doing what I'm doing? The real mission is and the purpose of these episodes and podcasts are to empower you with knowledge, to equip you with the right tools um, in, these, in these areas of focus, these are social literacy, so mindset and behavior. So it's, it's part of emotional intelligence. And if, believe it or not, that is one of the biggest component um, in, in order to achieve your lifestyle goals and financial goals. Financial literacy, legal literacy in terms of asset protection and family law, and medical literacy, just the basic foundation that you must know as an individual and, um, and as a unit. Just recapping from our last episode, budgeting and planning. With any planning, it starts with the mindset. I am an extremely advocate and a strong believer of coaching. Now I've had many coaching, um, many coaches in my, in my life, and I've also had many mentors in my life um, during my professional year. 
And I think any, with anything in life, you, you need to surround, you must surround yourself with either um, doing your own research, but really having a profound mentor and a coach to really guide you um, in times of need and really just to be a support system and a sounding board. Once you have the correct mindset, it becomes extremely um, easy in order to see what your goals are. To set goals, it becomes almost second nature to you. Goal setting should be looked at, I believe should be looked at in 10 years timeframe. And the reason for that is any investment um, uh, time period or a business cycle is generally, or an economic cycle is generally about 10 years. Um, goal settings, so identify what your financial goals are. Also have lifestyle goals. So lifestyle goals, are, I believe, are the most critical component of goal settings and financial goals should be seen as a means for you to achieve that lifestyle goals. Without lifestyle goals, financial goals become meaningless. There is no purpose. And lifestyle goals gives that purpose to financial goals. Once you know that, understand where you are um, in your current position, where you are today. And you, can, you must also do this from a financial standpoint of view and also from a um, lifestyle um, point of view. So in terms of financial, it's much easier to do. So how I would look at um, to, to understand where I am currently from a financial point of view is to really draw up a balance sheets. What are my assets? So in terms of assets, you, you should include cash, your investments, so investment properties, investment portfolios. Um, you should also have super in there plus your home. So the home that you're living in, if you have a home. And then in terms of your liabilities, so the other side of your assets, it's money that you owe people. Um, these are your mortgage, the money you owe to the bank, credit card debt, if you have credit card debt, car loan, if you have a car loan, um, and any monies that you owe family members and friends. Um, and then you quickly find out where you are in terms of your financial position. You minus your assets, uh, you, sorry, you minus your liabilities from your asset to give you that net position. The fourth component of budgeting and planning is to have a clear budget. So the way you budget is, I like to look at it from, a, um, from uh, by assigning four different buckets. And the buckets that I spoke about in my last episode is bucket one is pay yourself. So this is the money that you pay yourself. Um, remember, you are your most the most important person in your life. Nobody loves you as much as you love yourself, believe it or not. Bucket two, it's mortgage and rent. And bucket three yeah, are your expenses. So these are your daily expenses or your quarterly expenses. What, you know, these are pretty much that does not fall into mortgage and rent your fixed expense plus your discretionary, i.e. such as electricity bills, school fees and holidays. Bucket four is your emergency bucket. So 
the example that I used in the last episode. So please feel free to revisit that episode if you want a much more detailed explanation of how to how to construct these buckets is if you have a household gross income, now a portion of that will go to tax. And whatever the remaining balance, 30%, you must use that to pay yourself. And that forms bucket one. And with that money, you either, this is where I will go into in today's episode, you either use that to pay down your debt, your, uh, your bad debt, and or you and once you paid up your bad debt is then you use that money to start investing and that money should be used to achieve your financial goal and then in uh, by default achieving your lifestyle goals 30 percent is your mortgage and rent now if your mortgage and rent is more than 30 percent uh it it tells me uh, it should be an indication to you that you are living outside of your means. So it is something that you should either relook at your budgeting and relook at where you live, um, how your how your balance sheet is, and have a discussion with your accountant. If you don't have an accountant, have a discussion with your uh, with your advisor. If you don't have an advisor nor an accountant, have a mentor or a coach to to guide you through this. And if you don't have a mentor or a coach, um, seek a friend. Um, and discuss with your partner, so, but have somebody to keep you accountable. <clears throat> and the third bucket is your expenses. So, so this is where cash flow management comes in. This is the area where you focus your energy on cash flow management. And the, te the, the last 10% is your emergency bucket. So this is, this is the money you set aside for emergency. And this is why it's called emergency. It should not be touched for to pay um, your, your everyday expenses. There, there was one component in the last episode that I spoke about, which is compound interest. Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world, as Einstein put it. And it is something that you must familiarize, familiarize yourself with. It is almost the gospel to investing. So in, in my world, compound interest is something that we, we take very seriously. It is money that you receive, the income that you receive, and you're reinvested. So essentially, your money is working hard for you. Lastly, but not least, have a process and stick to it. And this is called discipline. Sometimes I know it's 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 you, you there is a lot of momentum and in, in having a plan, having a process, and then life takes over and everything starts to fall away. So how do you achieve discipline? There are a couple of ways you can achieve discipline. One is automation. You automate so that those buckets that 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 I just referred to and the, the bucket that you can see on on the screen is have money comes in automatically and it automatically starts channeling through these different uh, various buckets so at any one at any one time all you should see in your bank account are uh, maybe your mortgage and rent and expenses but definitely you should not see your 30 percent pay yourself and you should also not see your 10 percent emergency um, bucket so in the, and that just forming your mindset to thinking how much uh, surplus income do you have to utilize the more you have then then it becomes incl inclination and uh and and not not necessarily greed but 
being more comfortable in purchasing things. And I and I don't mean when I say budgeting, I don't mean that you live on tuna and sandwich. I I mean I mean it to the most sincere way is have a plan, but don't don't compromise your life. Live life to the fullest because you never know what tomorrow tomorrow will bring whether tomorrow will exist for, for for some of us so live life to the fullest but it doesn't mean that you don't live with a plan having um failing to have a plan plan is failing uh, it's let me start again failing to have a plan is planning to fail i'm sure we've heard of that quote in some shape or, or form throughout our lives now let's get into leverage and what is leverage so leverage is really money that that is not yours so you borrow because you need you want to you want to buy something today but you don't have you don't have the means to buy it so you borrow you borrow from from friends and families you borrow from non-bank lenders um, you borrow from so the, the big four banks, you know, ANZ, Westpac, CBA, but there are many other lenders in, in the marketplace. There are the first tier lenders, second tier, third tier, and non-bank lenders. Um, and then the bottom bucket is your family and friends. But it, it's, it's really, uh, so what leverage does is it allows you to multiply your buying power. What that means is, if you want to purchase a home that is worth a million dollars and you have 200,000, you know, how are you going to come up with that 800,000? Is then you borrow that money and you multiply your buying power to purchase that home. Um, and understanding the value of debt, if you can understand the value of debt and the ripple effect of debt, you can quickly understand how you can utilize your debt to be your best friend or your worst nightmare. If you don't understand the, the, the value of debt and how it works and the ripple effect, when things start to go south, when things are rosy, you're fine. So when I say rosy, how do you service a debt? If you, you need to have an income to service that debt is when that income suddenly stop. And there are many different, there are many different ways that income stops. One is you become, you, you get into an accident or you're unable to, for what, you're unable to work for whatever reason. And, and two is that there is a recession and all of a sudden you find yourself unable to attain work. Um, so that's when debt can become your worst nightmare. And I, you know, you see people who have made a fortune for themselves and they just try to, they, they, they become too acute and too creative with debt that they get themselves into trouble. I mean, we saw that during the GFC period, we saw that during the Great Depression. Um, but Understanding the value of debt can really go a long way in using debt to be your best friend rather than your worst enemy. Because debt, as we know, can create wealth because it can, it has, it can multiply your wealth effect, but it can equally multiply your, um, your bankruptcy. Now that we understand debt, we should understand what is good debt and bad and what is bad debt. not all debts are bad um so it's really important to 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 distinguish between the two my personal definition is that whenever i see debt on my balance sheets i'm always uncomfortable and the reason why i'm uncomfortable is that i don't want debt 
to be, um, I don't want to be a servant to my debt. I want to be able to have the freedom to do uh, whatever I wish to do and I attain to do. And as soon as, as long as I have debt, I am I'm a slave to the ink uh, to, to have uh, to to my employer um, because I need the income to sustain or to service that debt. So no debt is ever free um, is ever comfortable for me. But unfortunately, we live in a world where we need debt to, to sometimes to achieve our, our financial goals. <clears throat> so simply put, a good debt is a debt that has the potential to increase your net worth, or it has the potential to give you an income, or it has the potential to enhance your life um, in an important way. So when I look at debt, you, you buy debt because you believe there's a financial benefit and or you believe that there is an emotional benefit. So, and the simplest way for me to define what a good debt is, a good debt is a debt that generates an income and or grow your balance sheet grow your net worth, so grow your capital, grow your assets, then that is a good debt. Examples of good debt are education loan. So in Australia, we are extremely fortunate to have a government that provides you a, a, a loan, an educational loan known as HEX debt, um, without you know, without looking at your circumstances at all. Whereas you know, if you compare this to other developed countries like US, it is your responsibility to attain a student loan in order to educate yourself. In Australia, that that burden is lifted away from us, and governments step in as the lender to achieve your education. And I think that is just so powerful. And, and we are one of the luckiest country, country in the world. Um, and, and why education loan is a good debt is because it's once, when you, when you achieve a degree, it allows you, it increases your ability to be employed, your employment ability increases. And it also, you know, if you then decide to go on to do postgraduate degree or, or any other qualification, it increases your earning potential or, or that is why we do it. We invest in ourselves for the future. And that is why that is a good debt. Business loan, um, again, business loan. So if you are running a business, you need some capital outlay. There are, there are a lot of capital outlays in sometimes running a business and you draw on a loan. But you're, you're drawing on that loan to allow you to achieve a cash flow, future cash flow in, in X, Y, Z years. So it gives you an income. But with business loan, it also gives you an ability to appreciate your net worth because if your business is successful, then your business value grows. So what do I mean by that? When you are looking to sell that business and when you're looking to exit that business, you can sell that business at a multiple. So your, your money is working hard for you. The other loans that are good debt are home loan, real estate loan, Home loan, generally, if you're living in a home, of course, that interest, uh, you're not receiving an income because you're living in that house, so therefore there is no rental income. However, 
if you're living in that home, you, you, you have the potential for your, for, for your home, for your house to appreciate in value if the, mar- if the property market starts rising. As we have seen in the past few months, we've seen a very huge uptick in property prices, not, certainly not every areas, but, but there are pockets of, of, of areas that we have seen substantial rise and we'll continue to see, you know, my belief is that we may continue to see that because money is so cheap at the moment. Uh, real estate loans, so these are your investment loan um, to purchase a property, can also give you the ability to, to, to achieve an income, but and also give you the ability to increase your net worth. Um, similarly, investment loan um, for to purchase a, a, an equity portfolio or anything outside of property, um, you also do that to achieve an income and also has the ability to increase in value over time. Now, this is assuming that you hold the assets for a long period periods of time, because there, as we know, with any investments, there are there is always an inherent risk, um, and 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 thus we are we should be cock. Um, conscious of that, um, of that risk, we should understand it um, and, and, and understand that there could be short-term volatility with any type of investments. Now with property, um, we are, I, I would say that Australians, uh, it's, it's safe to say that Australians are somewhat in love with the property market. And the reason for that is, one, we haven't really seen a property crash in Australia. Uh, whether we'll see that in the future or not, uh, only time will tell, but we haven't seen it. So therefore, we don't have an emotional impact or emotional relationship or a negative emotional um, connotation to property. Whereas if you look at in the US or in Europe, we've seen property crashes. So people, investors are more conscious of that, um, especially during the GFC, we saw property crash in, in, um, in, in, in the US. We haven't really seen that. And the reason why we haven't seen that, I won't go into too much detail here, but the, one of the big, largest, one of the biggest reason why we haven't seen that Australia is what we call a two-way economy. Um, and secondly, um, our banking system is is it, it is so intertwined with the with the economy that it is it becomes extremely difficult um, to, to 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 see excessive amount of risk taking from an, from a um, from the bank from from the banking perspective. So this is why it's sort of this this happy medium that we're in that we haven't really seen a property crash. And I don't know whether we will actually see one in Australia. To be to be frank, um, I do note that the level of household debt in Australia is as it is at an enormous height that we have not seen before. We are one of the highly indebted. Um, countries in the world in terms of household debt um, so therefore it could it could take it could only take it will only take a couple of policy mistakes to actually see all of this unravel but again because we're in a, such a unique position that we may never actually see this see this so yeah, touch wood. Line of credit um, is also line of credit. What is a line of credit? Line of credit is when you draw um, a loan against your real 
assets. So your real assets are property. Generally, line of credit tends to be attached to properties or um, something that's tangible. <clears throat> and what the banks do or the lender is and they then put a security or a charge against that asset to draw on any of, on the equity. For example, you know, you can't decide to sell a portion of the bathroom, you know, to, 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 to get the equity out of that property. So the easiest way to do it is to borrow against, against that equity. Uh, and the reason why I've said line of credit can be good or bad is it really um, it really is dependent on what you use the loan for. Line of credit can you can use some people do use line of credit to purchase um, emotional goods and services, or some use it to buy um, an additional property or to put it into into the into the equity market. So depending on what you use it for, that line of credit can be um, either good or bad debt. Now that we've talked a lot about good debt, so I guess the, the key takeaway for, for, for this is a good debt is any debt that has the potential to give you an income now or in the future and or has the ability to uh, appreciate um, the capital value of, your, of the assets. Debt, it's obviously um, the opposite of that. So bad debt, decreases your cash flow and permanently um, impact your capital position because when you make that when when that cash flow leave your bank account it is lost forever so the opportunity cost it's extremely high and it's in perpetuity simply put a bad debt a debt is a bad debt if it has the potential to decrease your net worth and eat into your cash flow. Some of the examples of bad debts are car loans, credit card, buy now, pay later, personal loan, payday loan. You know, the payday loan is the worst of the kind um, and they really are targeting so the payday loan providers are generally not the big four banks not even the second or third tier banks they generally are non-bank lenders which are not re are heavily regulated and they really are the customer base is the most vulnerable people in our society um, so you know, payday loan is one of the areas that I I think it just government needs to put a lot more action in in terms of regulating that sector and and also we owe a duty of care to our to, to our community um, and, and, and and our people personal loan so personal loan is very much similar to a line of credit except line of credit the the lender uh, has a charge over your assets, whereas a personal loan, it, um, the, the lender has no security over your assets. So they're lending you on good faith, on your credit score, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so by default, because they're taking on a much higher risk, the, um, the interest rate on personal loan versus a line of credit, personal loan will, will entail a much higher interest rate. Buy now, pay later. It's just a different form of a credit card. 
Um, so buy now, pay later, I would say it's a little bit better than a credit card, but again, it's just a different form of a credit card. If you are unable to meet your repayments, your debt burdens can quickly escalate. And before you know it, you're, 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 um, you're in big trouble. Um, credit card and buy now, pay later, the interest rate that the, the, um, the creditors charge on those can be excessive. And I mean excessive. I've seen credit card, um, in, the interest rate on credit card debt as high as 24 to 28%. I mean, that is huge. And I'm talking that I'm talking that interest rate in an environment where interest rate is almost zero. So credit card debt is one of the most expensive debt um, outside of payday loan, I would say. Car loan can be generally uh, um, much cheaper, but it's a, it is a much larger asset pool um, because your biggest asset that you buy outside of your home would generally be your um, a, a car, um, unless you know you have a business loan as well. A car loan, why is a car loan a, a bad debt? Because if you think about it, if you look at the definition of what a bad debt is, a bad debt eats into your cash flow and it doesn't give you an income, but rather it eats into your cash flow um, and or it decreases your um, it decreases your net worth and car a car depreciates in value. So therefore, instead of appreciating in, in asset value, it actually goes the other way around. So $50,000 car today will not be worth 50,000 in two, three, four years time. Now, there, you know, um, there are some cars, vintage cars that do appreciate in value, but I'm, I'm, so that's, that's almost, uh, that's an anomaly rather than the, the, that's an exception rather than the rule. Um, I often get asked by many people whether a car loan, if it's a novated lease or if it's a business, if, it, if it's under a business expense, whether a car loan is a good debt. And if you then go back to the definition, a car loan, again, it's eating into your cash flow, it's not giving you an income, it's falling in value. So therefore, whether it's a business loan, whether it's a novated lease, whether you make the payment post-tax or pre-tax, it doesn't matter. It is still bad debt, regardless of how you look at it. From a, from a business loan perspective, rather than claiming the capital um, value upfront, you claim the cash flow over time. You claim the interest expense over time uh, rather than claiming it upfront. Um, so therefore, it's just a different way of looking at it. And also, if you were to, to have that assets on your balance sheet, you will be claiming depreciation on that asset. So yes, you get to claim the interest expense under, under business, but you you don't get to claim the depreciation under business because you can't you 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 can't you can't double dip. It's only one dipping that you're allowed. So it's just different ways of looking at it. If you want to use it, use it. But don't 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 use it thinking that it is a good loan. It is never a good loan. It is always in the bad debt basket. So I hope that clears it up. I mean, I, and I'd spend a little bit more time on car loan because it is a question that I often get asked. If you are one of the people that have a lot of 
debt on your balance sheet and you're quite overwhelmed and you want to restructure the debt or pay down your debt, how should you go about doing it? The first step is you list your debts and you'll do this when you use the balance sheet you've constructed from episode one. Once you have a clear understanding of what your liabilities are, then list those debts um, and reclassify classify them either as good debts or bad debt buckets. Um, and then I'll talk about two strategies in terms of debt restructuring or debt, um, pay, paying down your debt. Uh, the first strategy is um, in terms of your list of bad, now that you know the list of bad debts that you have on your balance sheet is then rank them from the most expensive debt. So, and the way you, to, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the least expensive debt. And the way you would do that is you look at your, your statements and see what the interest rate they're charging you are. Most, all interest rate, if not most, um, most interest rates, sorry, most interest rate, if not all interest rates, will be um, calculated daily and compounded daily. Um, so under, look at what you what the interest rate is and uh, and position the debt regardless of what the what the dollar amount is in terms of how much you owe. Position it from the most expensive debt to the least expensive debt. Now the most expensive debt in general will be your payday loan, will be your credit card, and then personal loans, um, and then car loan. Car loan is generally the the, the cheaper cheaper loan, generally, um, and then. Uh, and then what you do is you use the savings from bucket one. So remember that 30% savings that, that automatically you pay yourself. You use that money to pay down the loan as much as possible, depending on what that total balance is, total outstanding bad debt is, and also depending on how much your savings um, into, that, into that bucket. Um, let's say if it's $1,000 and you have $10,000 um, 10, 10, 000, say you're, you're, you're saving $1,000 per month and you have an outstanding debt of $10,000, um, it would take you 10 months to pay down that debt, to, to pay down that debt to zero, that debt to zero. And then you can start then re, uh, re building your, your capital, your savings to start investing that money. But before you invest, you must always choose to pay it because these are this, this, this debt is compounding daily and it's costing you. And before you know it, um, it you know you end up paying a huge amount, and it's just not worth it. Um, the second strategy is to categorize the the list of bad debts um, from from in terms of dollar values. So the smallest dollar to the largest dollar figure. And the reason why this strategy works for some people is because when you pay down one day, you tick it off and you have this happy um, feeling. And when you, when you feel like you have accomplished one, then you do another one. So you have this momentum. So to keep that momentum, um, sometimes categorizing them from the, from, the, from the smallest debt pool to the largest can, can sometimes be the way to do it. Not mathematically, it's it's not the it, 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 it's it's not the right way because ideally you want to pay debt that is costing you more um, rather than um, than than the smaller smaller amount. But sometimes to keep that momentum and to keep you know to ensure that you know you're accomplishing things because we humans we interact on how much we accomplish. This is why goal settings 
work. This is why having a plan works because we always have a plan. We always can see the future. And if you can do that, um, then you have a much clearer understanding and, and you have a much higher chance of achieving your target. Now, always, always aim to be debt free. Bad debt, good debt, doesn't matter. Always aim to be debt free. Of course, bad debt, take it out. You do not want to see that. And once you pay it off, cancel it. And how you will pay it off, seek advice from your accountant or your advice or your mentor or somebody that you can, you can, um, you have access to, to help you guide you through this. And always remember to simplify your affairs. I am an advocate believer of simplifying your affairs because if you make your affairs complex, it becomes too overwhelming. And we humans, when, it's, when it is too overwhelming and too hard, we just don't, don't revisit it. So therefore um, you have no discipline. So therefore you have a high chance of not reaching your goals. And as Davey, Dave, not Davey, Dave Ramsey has said, to be, to achieve financial success and to master personal finance, it is 80% behavioral and 20% intelligence. You don't have to be the brightest, the smartest person to achieve financial success. It really does come down to behavioral. So investing is as much about behavioral finance as it is on um, intellectual ability to understand finance. Now, next episode I would like to talk about is the psychology of money. Now that we've got a plan, we've got, we've got a budget, we have a plan, we've got goal, we have goals, um, we, we've paid down our debt, is then how do we look at money, the psychology of money? What does money mean to you and the stewardship of money? Um, so I would like to leave today with you by reading out this quote by Dave Ramsey. The decision to go into debt alters the course condition of your life. You no longer own it, you are now owned. So let me just repeat that again. The decision to go into debt alters the cause condition of your life. So it alters your path. You no longer own it. You are now owned. And that is so true for bad debt. And if you like these episodes and many other episodes, please feel free to, to share, like, please leave a review. Um, let us know what you want um, us to, to look at. If there's any particular area of interest to you, um, we have the episode will be available on YouTube, Facebook, and, um, and Spotify, and many other podcast mediums. First and foremost, thank you for your time. Take care. And remember, you are the most important person in your life. Look after yourself. And money is just a medium to achieve, to give you the freedom and the optionality in life to live the life that you want to live. Thank you and take care.